0: While free agency doesn't open until later today, the Baltimore Orioles got their offseason started on Wednesday, making two moves, declining the option on Jordan Lyles and claiming outfielder Daz Cameron off waivers from the Tigers. We'll break down both moves and what they mean for the rest of the Orioles' offseason coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are locked on Orioles your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, November 10th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to break down the roster moves that the Orioles made on Wednesday. Of course, Free agency does open today at 5 p.m. Eastern Time today. That's Thursday, November 10th. Free agency opens for the MLB offseason and the Orioles hopefully start spending some money and bringing in some players. But until then, the O's had some moves they could make and decisions to make as well. And today was the deadline to say whether or not they would pick up or decline Jordan Lyle's contract option for 2023. And that's where we're going to start today's episode. Because... The Orioles made their decision about midday on Wednesday and decided to decline the $11 million option for Jordan Lyles in 2023. Now, what it means is they will still pay Lyles $1 million. In the contract, it was either an $11 million option for the season or a $1 million buyout. So they buy him out of the contract and pay him an extra $1 million on top of the $6 million that he earned in 2023. Now, the Orioles did say after making the move that they would be open to chatting with Jordan Lyles still and maybe open to even bringing him back, most likely on a cheaper one-year deal than $11 million. But I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Lyles still pitching in an Orioles uniform next season. But what we can rule out is that the Orioles think that he is a slam dunk part of the 2023 starting rotation. And There's different ways to look at this. I think John Mioli in his newsletter did a great job writing about this earlier this week about, you know, why picking up the option could be good or bad and why declining the option could be good or bad. And one of his reasons for declining the option being good is that the Orioles have their sights set on better pitchers. They're looking for better ways to use that $11 million. The bad side was the O's don't think anyone is worth $11 million and they continue to be cheap. I tend to agree with the they're looking at bigger and better pitchers to add to the rotation next year. And that's really the thing, you know. Yes, Jordan Lyles was productive for the Orioles this year. And yes, he was one of the Orioles' five most valuable players on this team. I mean, I don't think they get to 83 wins and stick in a playoff race without him. I mean, he threw 179 innings. He made 32 starts. Yeah, the 4.42 ERA was, you know at best, uh, a league average pitcher this year for the Orioles. I mean, I get that. It's not like he was anything amazing. Now, it ended up being a little worse than league average, honestly, at times. But he was still helpful. He was still a great veteran leader to a lot of the young starting pitchers. But I think what the Orioles are showing here, and this is what I hope, that, you know what, we thank you, Jordan Lyles, for your one season where you continue to just eat innings, nom, 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 all year for the Orioles. But we're looking at a better option to spend you know around those 11 million dollars, or I guess it would be 10 million because they still paid him one with the buyout. And if the Orioles look over all their options and they still feel like, hey, maybe bringing Jordan Lyles back for seven million is still worth it, they could totally do it a couple months from now if he is still a free agent. He's certainly not going to be the you know number one pitcher that teams are going to go after when free agency starts later today. But when you look at Jordan Lyles and, and I made my prediction last week, on this show and on The Verge as well. And my prediction was that the Orioles would decline the option as they did. And I made that prediction because I thought the Orioles would be looking for bigger and better for starting pitchers in free agency. And that's where I'm going to stick on this. Now, we still have to kind of wait to see how the offseason plays out before we can really judge why the Orioles specifically declined the option at this point. You know, them not spending and not bringing him back, them bringing him back but not really spending elsewhere, them really spending. You know, all those things are different maneuvers the Orioles could make and makes us look at this move specifically quite differently. But it was the first move the Orioles had to make this offseason before they could really kick off their full plans for liftoff for Michael Elias. But when you look around, if the Orioles did do this because, you know, they feel like they can get better value for that money they would pay to Jordan Lyles, I think that's the smartest way to look at this because although it was nice to have a veteran in Lyles eat some innings and be kind of an anchor for this starting rotation, there are better options for 10, 11-ish million dollars. Just if you go from the 9 to 13 million dollars per year range, you know, pretty much right around the 11 million of Jordan Lyles. According to Fangraphs, they put out their top 50 free agents piece earlier this week. And in that piece, Ben Clemens of Fangraphs and kind of the rest of the staff as well. They basically guess, put an average on what the contract could look like for each of the 50 players that they ranked. These are all starting pitchers that I'm going to name that fell between 9 and $13 million per year on the estimated contract and realize none of these contracts were estimated at longer than three years. So at most, one of these contracts would be like three years and less than $40 million, about $39 million. Here's all the players, and most of these guys fell into about expecting one or two-year deals. Jameson Tyone, Taiwan Walker, Sean Manaya, Jose Quintana, Noah Sindergaard, Corey Kluber, Johnny Cueto, Andrew Haney, Ross Stripling, Michael Waka, and Mike Clevenger. I think there's a strong argument to be made that all of those pitchers are better options than Jordan Lyles. Now, Lyles could pitch better than some of those guys in the 2023 season. I could see it happening. But generally, the ceiling for all of those guys is higher than the ceiling for Jordan Lyles. I think that is a fact for every single one of those pitchers I just named. And I got to think that's the number one reason why the Orioles declined the option. Listen, they're going to be adding starting pitching, but there's still some spots in the rotation that the Orioles hope are locked down. I think they hope Grayson Rodriguez has a spot. They hope Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer each have a spot after last season. And you've still got guys like Tyler Wells, Austin Voth, D.L. Hall, Mike Bauman, all fighting for spots as well. Now, they're not guaranteed a spot, certainly. But I think the Orioles are going to plan to add two starting pitchers to the rotation. I don't think they'll add more than two guys this offseason. So if you have those spots, do you really want to give $11 million to Lyles? when $11 million could theoretically get you Sean Manaya who, yeah, his ERA was worse than Lyles this year, but on career trajectory has been way, way better than Jordan Lyles, and his ceiling is way, way higher than Lyles as well. I would take Sean Manaya over Jordan Lyles. I put this on Twitter today. I thought Ross Stripling, like I talked about on yesterday's episode, would be a great option, you know, at like two years, $25 million. That's just a little bit higher than the average annual value for Lyles, and Stripling had a 301 ERA last year. He's much better than Jordan Lyles. All those guys fall into that category. And if they're going to use this exact money to go get a different veteran starting pitcher who can still play that role of kind of the dad of the rotation, as the Orioles' younger starters called Lyles, but can produce even better on the field, that's going to make this Orioles team, which already had a winning record, even better heading into 2023. And I'm not suggesting that whoever the Orioles go get with this money is the only starting pitcher. No, no, no. I still want them to try to pay for an ace or hopefully trade for an ace from their prospect depth. But the guy you get with the Lyles money isn't going to be your ace. It's going to be a Tyone, a Corey Kluber, a Ross Stripling, a Jose Quintana, a guy who's going to sit right around third or fourth in your rotation and really help you out from there. And that's just going to make this team deeper and better heading into next season. Now, Again, there's still a chance that the O's chat with Lyles and bring him back for less money next year and have him compete for a rotation spot. But if that is it for Jordan Lyles, and it's just one year where he eat innings for the O's, we salute Jordan Lyles for the 179 innings that he ate to keep the Orioles in games, to help this young pitching staff. And it was fun. Rest in peace to the nom-nom-nom memes, potentially. But we thank Lyles for what he did for the Orioles this season. Another veteran who... Wasn't the best player on the field at times, but definitely helped this O's team get to where it was at. But as the Orioles declined the option on one player in Lyles on Wednesday and lost a guy from their roster, they also added a guy to their roster at the same time, as they claimed outfielder Daz Cameron off waivers from the Detroit Tigers. And coming up next, we'll talk about Cameron, how he's done in his brief major league career so far, why he was DFA'd by the worst offense in all of baseball, and if he has a chance to stick with the Orioles. But first, today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security, but have been putting it off, You'll want to listen up. Right now, Locked On Orioles listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss it. And here is why people love it it was named the best home security system of 2022 for the third year in a row by US News and World Report. And in an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe, to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. And the 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar per day. That's half the price of the ADT, traditional professionally installed system. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system we recommend get fifty percent off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash MLB This is their biggest discount of the year. So don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So we talked about the Orioles subtracting from their roster, at least for now, declining the eleven million dollar 2023 team option for their veteran at times ace, Jordan Lyles. But on the same day, the Orioles added to the roster as well. And although free agency was not open yet, does again open today, Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern time, teams were dfa guys, waving guys, and players were being claimed off waivers as well. And a lot of teams were in on the mix on Wednesday. It was actually kind of a... Kind of a cool precursor on Wednesday in Major League Baseball. There's were a few trades. Jaco Derizi was traded from the, the Braves over to the Rangers. A couple more, you know, smaller moves were made. The Rays got rid of Nick Anderson, which is a bit surprising. He was their closer two years ago when they went to the World Series. But the Orioles made a claim as well. And they picked up 25-year-old outfielder Daz Cameron off waivers from the Detroit Tigers. Now, I understand if your first thought is. Do the Orioles really want a hitter who was DFA'd by the Tigers, by far the worst offense in baseball this year? And I 100% get your thinking there because that was kind of my same thought when I saw the news come across that the Orioles had claimed Cameron. Now, one good thing about this move, or at least one thing that makes it easy, is the Orioles had 40-man roster space. At this point, you know, after declining the option on Lyles, the Orioles had just 33 players on the 40-man roster. So with seven open spots, you can, you know, take some chances like this, see if a guy will stick. Or you can even, what they might do with Cameron, like they've tried to do with some other players they've claimed, is you claim him on waivers, you put him on your 40-man roster, then a couple of weeks later, you DFA him. And you hope because, hey, he got to us, so he already passed through about half of baseball, Let's hope that he can pass through another half of baseball. And here's the interesting spot that the Orioles are in. You know, on the waiver wire right now, they're right about in the middle. I believe they had the, you know, 17th best record in baseball. Or They're right around 15th. They're basically in the middle. So all the terrible teams and the tanking teams are before them. So if a player gets to the Orioles and the O's claim him... All the tanking teams who would think about playing that player even more in the big leagues have already passed on him. So once the O's get him, they can think, all right, let's keep him on the 40-man for a week or so. And then when we need space on the 40-man, we DFA him. And the assumption is, because he's already passed through all those bad teams once, he'll pass through them again. And then when he gets to the better teams, well, if the bad teams didn't want this guy, why would the good teams want him? So the thought is he would pass all the way through waivers. And then you hope you can get him to accept an assignment to AAA Norfolk to stay in the organization. And then you get some flexibility with a guy who you think has some trait that you know you could establish and get him to be an impactful or useful big league player. So that's what's happening with Daz Cameron. And it's happened with a lot of guys over the last couple of years with Mike Elias and the Orioles. But who is Daz Cameron? Well, again, a 25-year-old outfielder who will be 26 in January who got to the big leagues with the Detroit Tigers in 2020 and has played parts of each of the last three seasons in the big leagues. Now, he was the number 37 overall pick. He was a competitive balance pick in the first round of the 2015 draft out of high school. Now, I bet you can guess which team originally drafted him. I'll give you a second to think about it. Yes, it was the Houston Astros again in 2015 when Mike Elias was very involved in the Astros draft effort. So another guy drafted by Houston when Elias was there that Elias brings into the O's organization. Now, you may think Cameron in the outfield, is he related to Mike Cameron? Well, yes, he is. Daz Cameron is Mike Cameron's son. Of course, Mike Cameron, the former MLB All-Star center fielder. Now, for Daz Cameron, doesn't quite have the skills yet at the big league level that his dad did. He got only 70 appearances, or 70 plate appearances, I should say, for the Detroit Tigers this year. Again, let me say, the Tigers were by far the worst offense in all of Major League Baseball this season. They were looking for anybody to join this lineup and try to get some hits. And the fact that he could only carve out 70 plate appearances all year is a little concerning. But when you look at the stats... You kind of understand why Daz Cameron only got those 70 plate appearances. He hit just 219 on the year with the Tigers and 82 WRC plus in those 70 plate appearances for Cameron. He just wasn't good. The strikeouts were an issue as they've been lately for him in professional baseball. He did hit one home run but again, a 219 average. With a 286 on base and a 344 slugging, 7% walk rate to a 29% strikeout rate for Daz Cameron. Now, as I mentioned, he had spent parts of the last two seasons as well in the big leagues. He made his debut in the shortened season of 2020. He got 59 plate appearances that year and hit 193. It was not good. He struck out in a lot of those 59 plate appearances. And then in 2021, that's his biggest sample size so far. He played in 35 games with the Tigers, 115 plate appearances. Again, not good. 33% strikeout rate, hit 194, 278 on base. Did have four home runs, which was at least a nice number. But the offense just, it just hasn't been there for Daz Cameron in the big leagues. He's got 244 big league plate appearances He's a career 201 hitter with a career 67 WRC+, plus and a 32% strikeout rate. That's just not going to cut it at the big league level. And at AAA this year, he really wasn't a whole lot better. 430 AAA plate appearances this year. He did have 10 homers, but he hit just 240 with an 86 WRC+. Plus. And he had exactly a zero war in the big leagues this year and in the big leagues last year, according to fan graph. So you hear all this, and you're asking Connor, Why did the Orioles claim this guy? Well, number one, former Elias draft pick. Number two, they had seven open spots on the 40-man roster. And number three, there are some traits that he either had as a prospect or has right now that at least make you think he can still figure it out because he still is only 25 years old. Now, he was a former pretty highly rated prospect. Again, was a first-round pick of the Astros in 2015. And in 2017, at the deadline, he got to Detroit because he was actually one of the headliners of the Justin Verlander deal, one of the prospects who went from Houston to Detroit in that trade. that got Verlander to the Astros, and he helped them go and win that World Series. So he was highly thought of at that point in the minor leagues because he was a high draft pick as well. When you look at his minor league numbers, he had some pretty great years. I mean, you know, when he went over to Houston, he was just lighting it on fire in single A, you know, with that that final year in Houston before the trade. That was why he got traded in double A in 2018 He had a 134 WRC plus with Detroit. Things were looking amazing. You know, he was hitting for average. He was stealing bases. He was playing great defense. He was driving in runs. And then the offense kind of left him. And although he hit the ball well in triple A in 2021, it was kind of the last time he has hit it well. At all, But if you flip it, he does have speed. He stole 19 bases in 98 AAA games this year. He's got nine stolen bases in the big leagues. He can play center field and right field and left field. It's essentially, he can play all three outfield positions. Now, he had a zero defensive run save. That's mostly because of sample size. You can't really tell much because he hasn't played a whole lot in the big leagues from his, his advanced defense. But... At least back in the minors, he was known as at least an average defender at worst. Now, you're saying, well, what does he do good? Again, it's fairly elite sprint speed. It's a solid glove. And when he does hit the ball, which, again, he has concerning strikeout rates, concerning swing and miss rates, he doesn't hit a lot. But when he does hit the ball, he's got some pretty good exit velocities. He hits the ball hard, and he can drive the ball out of the ballpark. He's had some power, you know, Triple A, 2019 with Detroit, 120 games. He had 13 homers. Again, in Triple A with Detroit this year, 98 games, he had 10 homers. He can hit some homers at times. He can get you some doubles. He can fly around the base paths. So he's got that for you. But really, the thought is for Cameron, I think he has some good contact, not contact skills, but when he hits the ball, the ball does fly off his bat. And the Orioles probably think, if we can fix that swing, he's still got something there because he's only 25. And again, they'll most likely try to DFA him and sneak him through waivers and keep him in the organization. It's just a guy, when you have seven open spots, you take a flyer on somebody on waivers. That's exactly what the Orioles did. Now, if they can fix him and get him to playable in the big leagues... He does challenge Ryan McKenna and you know a guy like Jake Cave, who the Orioles brought in this offseason and still have, for that kind of fourth-slash-fifth outfielder role on the 2023 Orioles. That's how he could fit in. Again, I don't see him playing a game for the Orioles next year. But you never know, maybe they could figure something out with a guy like Daz Cameron. And as the Orioles division foes, the Blue Jays have shown, never a bad idea. To have the son of a former big leaguer on your team. And hey, the Orioles drafted Jackson Holiday as well. So maybe it can work out with Daz Cameron. But he does take up a spot on the 40-man roster with that claim, which gets the O's 40-man now to 34 players. But coming up next, to finish off the pod, we'll talk about a couple more moves the Orioles made earlier in the week to get that 40-man roster down even further. And we'll take a look at what it looks like as the Orioles head into free agency. So free agency opens at 5 p.m. Eastern time here on Thursday. If you're listening to this on time, it's tonight. You may be listening to this after free agency has started. Maybe when you're listening to this, the O's are already in discussions, hopefully signing players already. Hopefully we have some players to talk about. But if you remember earlier this offseason, the Orioles actually had six catchers on their 40-man roster at one point. They were just claiming catchers Left and right. They claimed two guys off waivers from the Reds, Aramis Garcia and Mark Colesvery. They claim Cam Gallagher from the Royals. They put Anthony Bemboom on there. Obviously, they still had Rutschman and they had Robinson Torinos. Well, almost all of those catchers are gone because earlier in the week, the Orioles outrighted both Anthony Bemboom and Cam Gallagher off the 40-man roster. Now, they actually went two separate ways when that decision was made. Anthony Benboom decided to stay in the organization. He accepted his assignment to AAA Norfolk. He's already agreed to a contract for next year with the O's that tells him how much money he'll make if he's in AAA and how much more money he'll make if he's in the big leagues. But Cam Gallagher did not do that. Cam Gallagher had the right to decline the spot in AAA, which he did. And Gallagher is now a free agent. Now, the Orioles could always bring him back, potentially on a minor league deal if they liked him, which I think... Could be the case if Gallagher can't find a major league deal, but they were going to have to pay Cam Gallagher about a million dollars in arbitration if they kept him around. And for his limited skill set, they probably could have gotten a guy on a waiver claim or on a minor league contract for just the same. So that's most likely why they outrighted Gallagher to not have to pay him the $1 million. But again, could be back on a minor league deal. But it does seem like at this point, Anthony Benboom, although he's off the 40-man roster... Probably has the inside track at the backup catcher job. However, Mark Colesberry, one of the guys from the Reds is still the only other catcher on the 40 man. It's back down to two catchers because Robinson Trinos has officially become a free agent. It's now just Adley Rutschman and Mark Colesberry, those two catchers. So it went from six to two in less than a week. Now, We could see some other people come off this 40-man roster, as we've talked about at this point. But right now, it does sit at 34 players. Now, it's going to go up by one. I believe later today, the Orioles will have to activate John Means off the 60-day injured list. Remember, when you have a long injury or season-ending injury, you get put on the 60-day IL, and your spot on the roster actually doesn't count. Towards the 40-man when you're on the 60-day IL, well, the Orioles will have to activate Means this week, which will put their 40-man roster at 35 players. So at this point, as far as we know, the O's will head into the opening of free agency with five open spots on the 40-man roster. Now, again, some of those will have to be for free agents. They may make another waiver claim or two. They got to leave at least three or four spots open to protect prospects on the roster from the Rule 5 draft. Those are all things you need to consider. And frankly, there are still guys on the 40-man who could easily be taken off. Daz Cameron, who we just talked about, is one of them. Mark Colesberry is another one. Yusniel Diaz may not be long for this roster. You never know if Ryan McKenna is going to keep his spot. Heck, even Jake Cave could be gone as well. You look at the pitching. Is Spencer Watkins, Bruce Zimmerman, are their spots safe on this 40-man? Joey Crable, does he still have a role moving forward? There are still plenty of spaces really to make room on this 40-man roster, but it is nice to have the five open spots going into free agency. But that's where we finish off today. Free agency starts tonight, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. It opens up. We're going to talk about all the free agents the Orioles could possibly sign as we go through the offseason here on the podcast. Again, Steel Daily episodes Monday through Friday, all the way through the winter meetings, the first couple weeks of December. We'll have some free agent-specific episodes where we just go over free agents as well. But, hey, hopefully the Orioles will sign a player when free agency starts. At the very least... Hopefully they're at least involved in some rumors from Rosenthal or Passan or whoever it may be to just get us excited for this offseason. But if the Orioles do sign a player when free agency opens tonight, I'll have the entire breakdown for you coming up on tomorrow's episode. If they don't sign a player, we'll continue our player review series from the 2022 season looking at Cedric Mullins and how he did this year with the O's. Maybe a little disappointing off the 30-30 season, but still a very solid year. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.